0: It's It's the the Morning Morning Majelis. Majelis. It's It's the Morning Majelis. Welcome back onto the programme. Continuing the conversation surrounding uh, the International Thalassemia Day. Uh, This year's theme has also been identified as strengthening education to bring the thalassemia care gap, uh, to bridge the thalassemia care gap rather and uh, focuses on improving the skills and knowledge of the patients affected by the disease so to talk to us in greater detail about this we're very kindly joined by the chief research officer at uh, burjil holdings Uh, it is dr khaled musalam thank you very much for joining us this morning
1: hello hello good morning pleasure
0: well it's it is our pleasure as well um uh, let's start off by talking about. Uh, thalassemia and breaking it down for people who weren't really aware of the disease um, or have an idea what is thalassemia and 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 how does it affect a patient
1: sure so thalassemia is an inherited disease it's a genetic disease that you're born with and uh, for a patient to have thalassemia they would have had to inherit some form of mutations in a gene coding for a molecule in our body called hemoglobin. So the parents don't necessarily have to have the full disease. They could be just carriers of these mutations. And if there is an intermarriage between two individuals that have these mutations, their children have a 25% chance of of having thalassemia. And that said, so the disease is mainly characterized by um, inability to produce hemoglobin, uh, which is the key molecule element in our red blood cells that carries oxygen everywhere in our body. So the hallmark of the disease has been uh, um, chronic anemia. And this can be not the typical anemia that many of us could face throughout our lifetime due to maybe some iron deficiency. No, this is a very severe anemia that in many cases requires lifelong dependence on transfusion therapy. So patients would need to get uh, some amount of of blood, exogenous blood, that is delivered to them on an almost monthly basis for life. Um, Even the patients who do not require transfusion, transfusions also with this chronic anemia end up suffering from several um, um, complications throughout their lifetime because they're maintained at a very low hemoglobin level. Um, So patients necessarily aside from just the burden of treatment that you have a chronic disease that you have to live with and receive transfusions um, every month or so. These transfusion don't also come without their own side effects. So as much as they correct the hemoglobin level for these patients, so they're able to sustain, uh, let's say, a blood constitution similar to, to others. Um, those blood uh, units that they receive contain iron, and our body is not designed in a way to excrete or to get rid of extra iron. So this iron starts building up um, in any organ, in the heart, in the liver, in the endocrine glands, causing multiple diseases. Um, So the patients would also require to have uh, almost daily um, what we call iron chelation therapy. So drugs that um, um, helps them get rid of the iron from their body. And that's again, another burden of chronic treatment for life, although we have many advances in these iron chelators, but they still have uh, an added burden to the patient and they're not always successful or safe. So you can see that the patients um, suffer from a chronic disease, a genetic disease that starts from birth and will have multiple clinical complications uh, throughout their lifetime. Um, you, you, you've touched on how how thalassemia is hereditary, um, and I would mm-hmm. like to ask you to, to maybe inform any listener out there uh, who might be worried, as to maybe I have some, uh, maybe I have thalassemia. Are there any common symptoms that people need to be aware of to help them actually identify the, this, this this disease? Now, if patients have a disease, have uh, inherited the disease, um, then that's something that's not that complex to to identify usually these are uh, children infants that are presenting uh, very early on in their uh, life with um uh, they're pale usually, they have a large spleen, so in t- the abdomen, and you would do a typical workup for anemia in these patients, uh, and and eventually be able to diagnose thalassemia. But uh, you're referring uh, more so to the carriers, so the uh, um, let's say the parents that actually uh, would get married and have that risk of, of getting the child. Unfortunately, no. Uh, um, good thing obviously for the individuals that they will not have symptoms they could have very mild symptoms sometimes anemia in women during pregnancy uh but uh, this is a silent carrier state in most instances and can only be detected if you do certain laboratory tests starting from a simple blood uh complete blood count that's why in many parts of the regions where the disease is highly prevalent um, there are premarital tests that are uh, requested from uh, individuals before they get married um, so that they can uh, at least uh, be uh, um, aware that their carrier of a thalassemia trait and if both uh, individuals that are getting married um, um, have, have a carrier state in thalassemia. They're aware that there is a chance they would get a, a child with, with thalassemia so that at least they're prepared uh, for that.
0: Yeah, and that's that's quite important because you know we we highlighted this earlier that that, that here in the UAE we, we tend to have the premarital screenings for those who want to register the marriage certificate, um, and, mm-hmm. and 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 that's also one of the ways of preventing this. Um, if you can talk to us in in greater detail about uh, the the importance of of detecting it early and, uh, you know, why this disease needs to be screened for and, you know, what are the steps and, and the struggle that people have to go through as well uh, financially and the level of treatment that's on offer here in the UAE uh, because someone fi- if someone finds out mm-hmm. about any disease, they get terrified and thinking, oh, wow, sure. uh, you know, well, where will I go? Which doors do I knock? Is Is this going to be costly? Is my insurance going to cover it? if you could paint the picture of the level of treatment on offer here in the country and is it normally covered by insurances?
1: So so to answer the first part of the question which is um, as you said this is more so uh, to, to have at least the parents prepared that there is a chance obviously um, the diagnostics uh, uh, advance a lot that they don't only involve premarital screening but you can also do a lot of uh, tests to the to the fetus at the uh, you know pre birth and also be able to identify if the uh, child will be born with uh, thalassemia. Um, so because of what I mentioned earlier that it's a lifelong journey, that's why everything needs to be set in place for for patients to uh, make sure that they have and as normal life as, as could be in terms of quality, not in terms of longevity only. And thalassemia is one of those diseases that require multidisciplinary care, what we call multiple stakeholders need to be involved. So it's not just a matter of a patient um, um, getting the blood that they need and iron chelation therapy. Because at the level of the UAE, at least, there's a lot of support system to be able to do that. There are expert centers that are, we call them, you know, chronic care centers that the patients can attend to and receive their transfusion and their treatment. There are different levels of coverage at the level of uh, um, um, uh, public and private uh, sector. Um, But what's important is that they are identified as patients that do require multiple specialists taking care of them because even with the best treatment, they might still have problems in their liver, in their heart, in their endocrine. So they need to have uh um uh, specialists from almost every uh uh, subspecialty in internal medicine and surgical medicine and doesn't always stop there. uh social support psychological support because these patients will suffer from a chronic disease they require support to know how to integrate within society and this is the reason that we actually um um, do these uh national or international days for thalassemia it's not only to warn the people about thalassemia that they might get it but it's also to tell them more what the patients that are living around them are suffering from so that they can mm. help with their integration uh, you can imagine that patients have a lot of special needs in terms of the time they need to uh, leave off work for example to go get a whole day to get a transfusion or that they might get uh, not feel not feel well after a certain treatment so um, these are probably the things that are, are necessary for for. Pre- preparedness uh, at the parents and at the community level so that we can welcome those patients into the, the um, and obviously i think we will talk more about this that there are many advances that are happening mm. in the field that probably will change the shape of the disease over the next few years and obviously with with, uh, with years to come yeah that's what i would love to dive into if that's okay you talked about the chronic care centers uh, and the different levels of treatment that are needed for thalassemia, but i'd like to ask you Um, regarding treatment or advancements uh, in this sector? What can we expect to happen in the future and maybe in the near future when it actually comes Mm -hmm. to fighting this disease? Um, So there is actually a a boom in in research in uh, in thalassemia for the past, I would say, a decade or so. Uh, in, in, In the last two, three decades, the main advances were at the level of those iron chelators that I mentioned that help you get rid of the iron uh, from the body so patients 30 40 years ago um, didn't have any option and then they only started to have a a drug that you can need to have it as a subcutaneous so to have a needle injection under the skin for almost 8 to 12 hours a day uh, for five to seven days a week Um, and you can imagine that the compliance of patients with something like this wasn't great Um, so the last two decades focused on uh, innovating with oral iron chelation therapies which are now available and standard of care and that completely changed the face of the disease. One other advance that happened in the last uh, 10 or 15 years or so also is that we were mainly relying on blood tests to understand the levels of iron that these patients have um, to be able to know how to Um, alter therapy and tailor therapy accordingly, but now we have uh, advanced uh, MRI techniques, imaging techniques that actually can tell us exactly how much iron is in the liver or in the heart, and you would change your management plan accordingly. And there are already studies showing how these two main advances in the oral iron curation therapy and MRIs have changed the survival of patients, so patients are living longer and a better life. But today the key advances that we're dealing with and we're happy to be involved in many of those at the level of the uae are twofold there are what we call curative therapies which are the ones that are aiming to cure the disease so since this is a genetic disease um um, you know the chances usually that you would expect that how can you how can you change it how can you uh, cure it if it's 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 down in the dna um one form of curative therapy, the most classic form, is bone marrow transplantation. And we have, uh, at least at Burjil Medical City, have done already uh, uh, several patients with thalassemia. And uh, this, when done in, in childhood and in earlier years, have a higher chances of success. And it could abolish the uh, uh, disease by replacing the... Uh, patients' uh, um, bone marrow or red cells into healthier and newer ones that um, they would no longer require um, um, transfusion therapy. But a more advanced uh, technique that requires some sort of bone marrow transplantation at the same time is gene therapy. And this is something that I'm sure you're hearing about in the news everywhere. And thalassemia actually was one of the first diseases where some of these techniques have been trialed. Um, So today we have um, um, advances in curing the disease at the level of gene therapies, where patients are uh, given uh, um, um, new stem cells that contain correct genes uh, to replace their faulty genes, whether by gene implantation or gene editing techniques. Um, we don't necessarily have those yet in our region, but I don't think it's going to be uh, uh, too long before we have them We have them in the country. And the other part of the advancement is at the level of drugs, at the level of pharmacologic therapy with agents that we call disease modifying. So they don't cure the disease necessarily, but they modify it. They help uh, our bone marrow that produces that cell to produce healthier ones. Um, and there are uh, there is a drug uh, called bisphosphonate that already uh, got uh, FDA and EMA approval and it's available and it's already being introduced into several countries in our region. Um, but also there are newer drugs like mitapivat, which is a drug we're doing two phase three trials at Virgil Medical City that started and we're already dosing patients. And this is a drug again that is uh, also aiming to. Uh, uh, address two forms of the disease. Those patients that are requiring transfusion therapy to see if we can reduce their transfusion need by half because we know that this will, you know, make wonders for patients in terms of their need to come to the hospital or the iron that's accumulating. But also we're looking at those, what we call non-transfusion dependent patients, NTDT patients. We're trying to not keep them at that level of hemoglobin anymore that we thought is okay not to transfuse, Uh, but to actually increase it because we've done many studies also uh, from Birgit Medical City showing that if these patients are kept at that low hemoglobin level um, they would have far greater morbidity and mortality Um, so many things are coming we expect uh, honestly for too many options to be available in the next few years that we have to educate the physicians on how to prioritize patients Uh, for certain management over others, what works for some types of patients, what doesn't. So at the same time, we're also continuing to um, renew the management guidelines. So the most um, standardized guidelines in Thalassemia are issued and published by the Thalassemia International Federation in in Cyprus. Um, So myself and a couple of colleagues, uh, we issued just the newest version of those guidelines uh, around two weeks ago. Um, and it has all of these advances mentioned and even the ones that are still in the making we're preparing so that in the next edition uh, we're able to integrate them uh, gradually into standard of care
0: well dr Khalid, we wish you all the very best with that as well and uh Yeah, thank you for joining us this morning to enlighten us in greater detail uh, about the advancements and also the importance uh, that uh, the the whole society uh, is involved uh, and understands this disease in greater detail. Once again, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. That we were listening to Dr. Khalid Musallam, who is the head of the, he's the chief research officer at the Burjil Holdings. And if you'd like to catch this discussion as a podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You're listening to The Morning Majlis. We'll be back again right after the sports headlines.